The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And happy holidays, everybody. We're in the holiday spirit, holiday season, holiday something. Holidays for days. What? (laughs) What, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is so weird that this is going to come out in December. We're recording this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Sunday. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Sunday, Thanksgiving weekend. All anyone's doing is shopping right now. Mm-hmm. All the... Uh, uh, well, now the Cyber Monday deals are coming out, but this is, this is, this is, a, this is a Christmas episode, technically. Technically, yes. Uh, and we just sort of said, you know what? It's a Christmas gift to ourselves. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll get more into why we uh, we made that decision later on today, but we will get there. We'll we'll get there eventually. But to to anyone who celebrates, uh, ha- happy happy holidays, and hope you're hope it's starting off well. I guess. Mm. But before we get into this week's double feature, do two. How do, how you doing? Doing okay. It just like most of our house is decorated. It's been decorated for most of November. Um, gotta get the big tree up still, which we normally do this weekend. But we did a lot more shopping this weekend. Um, we went to the mall. We went to a mall that was a little farther out than we normally go. Um, we found some good stuff there, and uh, you know, and that was nice. Um. Other than that, what have I done? Um, I watched some movies. You know, uh, I know both of us have watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Very fun. Very fun. Very fun. I watched Glass Onion in a theater. <laughs> I got a I got a pin from my work that says Glass. That's a Glass I'm Onion jealous. pin. I'm very jealous. Um, <laughs> it's. I guess they had like different characters. I don't. I. I I'm assuming I had Kate Hudson because it's a blonde yeah. woman with like, like aviator sunglasses. So I don't. I'm assuming I could be wrong. Right. But you've seen it, so you know. Yeah, I'm gonna try to talk about it without saying anything because I think it's one of those things you should go in as blind as you can. But I loved it. Um, just a few thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I think it's definitely a movie that is very 2022. Uh. Like, I know the first one had modern, like, references like Twitter and alt-right and things like that, but this movie... Hamilton. And Hamilton. But this takes it... This... But, like, if you took some of those things, you're like, okay, this is believable that this is a story that could maybe take place (laughs) at another place in time, right? Mm -hmm. But Glass Onion is not that. It could only be made 2022, (laughs) and with everything that's going on, Ryan Johnson is just, uh, you know, he's just wild, man. (laughs) He got a great deal from Netflix, and uh, yeah, um, but I really enjoyed it, and my theater was mostly packed. 
Um, and I th this is why I think that it's incredibly foolish of Netflix to just have this as a week-long release, because people are... Now, this was only playing in, like, 600 theaters, and there's estimates that it made $15 million, um, like, for the five-day... For, like, the week total so far, um, which is really good for only playing in 600 theaters, um, I think. And, you know, it's the kind of movie where if it was able to play a little longer, like a couple more weeks, it could have legs and, you know, earn Netflix some money. But Netflix is incredibly stubborn with uh, with their business model. This is sort of a test. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. I also watched, I scratched off a movie I'd never seen before. This is a big one on my watch list. Um, I watched American Movie. Yeah, you, you mentioned something about that, and I was like, I have no idea what that is. Which is weird when I watched it, because it's one of those things where I'm surprised you never watched it. I I have no... Like, I maybe heard, got an inkling of it at some point somewhere, but it just never, like, stayed in there. But I, I, I saw the clip you sent me, and I was like, I thought you were watching a YouTube video or something. No. Because I was at work when I saw it, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> No, so actually, I also part of what I, I met, I've, I've known people who talked about it over, over the years, and it just took me a long time to get to it. But also because uh, Mike Shank, uh, the best friend who's in the movie, recently passed away, and mm. uh, may he rest in peace. I did, I did hear about that. Now that you're mentioning, yeah, yeah, that does sound familiar. And yeah. um, you know, so I'm like, you know what? I should watch this. It's on the Criterion Channel, and I checked it out. And it is a really just fascinating, um, a really fascinating look at the, the, these people. Um, Mark Borchardt is is the main subject of the documentary. He's um, from from Wisconsin, and he's trying to make he's trying to make a movie, you know. And it's fascinating to look back on that now versus back then, because back then they had to shoot on film, you know, or like there wasn't mm -hmm. really like. The, like the way we have di like digital cameras and like high def and 4k like things that you can just go to a best buy and get and like the different like budgetary constraints his personal life um challenges and struggles and it's just um a really in uh, just a really fascinating story um about these about these people i think uncle bill was like my favorite part of the movie is just like mm -hmm. Mark's uncle who invests three thousand dollars into the movie, and just <laughs> like there's one part where where like they need him to say something about Jesus. He's like Jesus, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's like you know it's all like believe like you know feels like relatable if you were trying to make a movie and you had this is what you had to work with. It just you know it has that energy. Uh, definitely would mm -hmm. be. I know we. I don't think we've ever talked about a documentary, uh, for two dudes. Not really. I. I don't know if we've even talked about talking about a documentary. No, I, I think maybe it was brought up, but I don't. I don't remember if it, if it was. But I think American movie. Um, if we ever did, you know, again, we have so many other things we want to talk about too. But if we ever did to talk about a documentary, I think American movie, uh, would be an interesting one. But that's really all that's been going on in my sphere how are you doing um i'm all right uh i watched a couple of things recently as well um those these are a bit more like one of well one of them isn't but the other two are more like commercial sort of things but 
Um, I, I finally watched Black Adam. That was oh. terrible. Oh. <laughs> it, it was bad. <laughs> like, the funny thing was, like, I didn't know what to expect of it because, I mean, it had bad reviews, more or less, and, you know, most anybody that I asked, like, what they thought of it, I heard either, like, oh, eh, or it's okay, I guess, you know, so I'm like, maybe, maybe it's not so terrible maybe it's at least entertaining i don't know and so i started watching it on voodoo and i think the more into like it's kind of started off rough even because like it's very rushed Mm. like like you're like here's your characters now go (laughs) we need to get to the rock (laughs) like here's here's whatever you need here but we need to get to the rock and like okay and uh, he shows up and he's being Black Adam and I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. But then like it just continues to get worse mm-hmm. <laughs> as it plays out. Right. And then like I, I thought like some of the other superheroes were kind of cool, but like again, like it's I, I've always I've always said for myself at least, when a movie fails to make me care about anything, I think that's like the worst movie ever. Yeah. Because like like if I could, if I feel something that I think that des- deserves some sort of merit, as long as that's what the movie wants me to feel. Um, like if I'm watching like a like a soap opera type movie or like really like dramatic like movie, it makes me cry. That actually like works on me. Then yeah, you know maybe it's not like a movie I loved, but it works, and I give you some points for it. Right. But if you if I just don't care whatsoever about what you're showing me, then then that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. I don't care about anything. I don't care about the family. I don't care about the Justice Society. Um, I don't care about Black Adam at all. <laughs> like, I want, I, I want to, because I am a DC guy, but I, I can't. I just, I'm watching it. I'm like, no. I'm good. <laughs> And so I got to the end of the movie, and I was like, well, there's that. And then the the whole, well, spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen Black Adam. I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but even though I just ranted, just like how terrible it was. But uh, I got to the Superman bit at the end. I was like, you know what? At least he looks the most like Superman he has <laughs> in so many movies. You know what? I'll give Henry Cavill that. That's the one, the one shining bright thing about this otherwise just boring movie. <laughs> it seems like the most interesting thing in a not very interesting movie. It's exactly. It's like I, I think I told you this when uh, it was initially like coming out in theaters, and like the the post credit scene got leaked. I was like, I like that he's back, but I hate how it happened. Yeah. And that, after seeing the movie, that's still kind of the case. Yeah. Which, and I liked Jungle Cruise. It was the same guy. I thought Jungle Cruise was solid. It's not like the next Pirates or anything, but, you know, it was it was entertaining. Right. Yeah. But, oh, man. I don't know. That, I don't know about that one. Um, the other sort of major thing that I watched was Wednesday. Oh, you yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's, 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 that's had, uh, a lot of a lot of talk. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about that one. Um, you know, 
I, I can I can say that I didn't hate it. Okay. It was entertaining. Um I Jenna Ortega's great. And it's nice to see uh a non white actor leading a Tim Burton thing, admittedly, which is I don't think has ever happened. Uh <laughs> sadly enough. Um but uh yeah, it's like it's not like anything particularly special, but I think because of the performances, it makes it a lot more interesting to watch. And like some certain moments here and there, but you know, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised with that one. But I think the one thing that I watched recently that that really that really just moved me, honestly. Speaking of documentaries, your boy Defunct Land, who I'd never would have heard of had you never said anything which you tell me about everything so i appreciate that (laughs) um but no like i saw that he had made a new video and i liked i liked the the one about the lines fast at like theme parks or whatever yeah that one yeah um and so i was curious to see what this new one was and it was uh, it's on YouTube right now if you guys want to check it out, but it's, uh, it's the Disney Channel theme, uh, and they're trying to figure out, like, who the composer was, mm-hmm. because apparently, like, no one, no one really knew, or, like, there was never a listing or, like, a credited person that wrote the net, that wrote that theme, um, like, and it's the, I think it's the, da na 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 like that right. one. Yeah, it's iconic. Especially if very you grew up, if you grew up in a certain generation, like it's iconic. Like, like especially especially like, I think it kind of kicked in around like the early two thousands, and then it just kind of been the same theme. Because like I still even remember the days of Disney Channel when the theme was like yeah, down down, like that whole thing, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like we're edgy for kids. What? <laughs> Like I remember those days even, but obviously the, the those four notes will always just stay in your head, especially if you grew up during like the Hannah Montana years, as I like to call it. Oh yeah, Hannah Mon- the Hannah Montana years, uh, maybe a little bit of Lizzie McGuire as well. But um, so he goes through the whole video. Uh, was it Kevin Perjurer? Kevin Perjurer, yeah, yeah. So he's going through the video. And he's trying to figure out who it possibly could be that um, did the music. Those four, that that specific uh, coupling of notes uh, that would become that theme. And so he interviews people that were very much involved with Disney Channel back in the day. We go through the history of the Disney Channel and how it got to that point. He interviews some modern people, some people who were on Disney Channel in recent years. Right. Um. And I don't want to spoil anything because that's kind of the best part when you actually find out who did it. Cause he, cause I will say spoiler, he does find out. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so it is like, but the way the whole thing plays and how he, how he presents everything is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the, the amount of research and the amount of digging and even just the way it's put together, like it's very cinematic, like like it's not it's not a YouTube video. Like it is because it's on YouTube, but it doesn't feel like one. It feels like like he he put enough effort into it to make it like a genuine documentary. Mm-hmm. 
like I'm genuinely impressed whenever when I was watching it. It was literally the middle of the night and I was just bored. I think I just got home from work. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna check this out. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm I'm like I'm like as invested as he is. I'm like, okay, that's who the, okay, okay. We learned something. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> or or like he would point I'd be like, Oh, this is something like like I would point something out in my head and then he would mention it later. I'd be like, Oh, now I'm invested. Now now we're like in tandem, he and I. And like I it's it was just a genuinely great watch and just the whole the whole point of the documentary is really nice too and um and i you tear up a little bit towards the end yeah if you haven't watched it anybody uh check it out it's it's genuinely a lot of fun um and it's probably i would put it up there as like one of the best things i've seen on youtube that was just made by a youtuber no i've I've been a fan of his for uh, a couple years now um and like especially especially was it when he did season three and it was really about like robert moses um who a man who pretty much shaped how we view new like a lot of stuff in new york and about walt disney mm-hmm. sort of coinciding and delved into stuff like coney island the world's fair and it's just like it really shows you like you know it's like this is some of the best like just just stuff that I watch period. And you know, it just shows you that it just, you know, if you make something well enough, you know, it could just be viewed as some it should be used something good and not just like oh, well, it's just another YouTube thing or or whatever. Um mm-hmm. but like you said the fast pass video which you did last year which seems unreal to me. Honestly, because uh, I felt like just like yesterday where I'm like, you, you got to watch this. You got to watch the Fast Pass video. And I did. I, I It took me a second, but I got to it. You got to it. Um, I still need I still need to watch that uh, Disney, the Disney Channel documentary. I, I definitely will watch it uh, this week. It's uh, we, maybe we can do Disney Channel theme American movie. Maybe that could be the, <laughs> the pairing there. Maybe, maybe. Um. But any anyway, speaking of Disney, um, this is this is a very uh, very exciting. This is actually one we've been waiting to do, uh, pro like, for a while, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's more specifically when a certain movie got uh, entered into a certain collection of movies, <laughs> and we'll get a little bit more into that when that movie comes into question but um it's also just because you know we like we like animation on here we're disney guys as well and uh there's a lot of people who work specifically in in the world of pixar that we're big fans of and there's one name and this is a guy we've had on our show before because we talked about one of his i think the only live action movie he's done so far john carter yeah yeah so, uh, that man, of course, is Andrew Stanton. Um, he is one of the, he was, he's p- probably one of the big people, one of the biggest names associated with Pixar still to this day. And, uh, he's directed, uh, a couple of the films that, uh, have been made at Pixar and two of them we're talking about today. Uh, and for our first Andrew Stanton Pixar directed film, Joey, what are we talking about? 
Richard, I, before we talk, first I have to ask, have you seen my son? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, uh, It's maybe. Nemo! <laughs> Nemo! <laughs> we gotta find Nemo! Find I almost Nemo. <laughs> I almost said, you mean Mike? I don't know where Mike is. <laughs> no, the answer is Gifford. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> Gifford is your son. I need to find Gifford. I need to find my son. <laughs> Gifford, don't touch that boat. I want I want Gifford to use these as sound bites <laughs> later. Just just he's listening back to this, like he just hears Gifford, don't touch that boat. If you touch that boat, I sw- don't you dare. <laughs> Hey man, you know Joey for being a clownfish really isn't that funny. <laughs> Pity. But finding Nemo, all right. Um, I'm hovered over the other movies page at the moment. <laughs> I was curious about something. Um, finding Nemo, directed by Andrew Stanton, um, co-directed. Who is a co's the co-director again, Richard? So I don't. Mess it Le- up like a oh. camera <laughs> of audio because <laughs> I know. Uh, can I, I tell? S- <laughs> yes, tell this. Please, please oh, tell the story. Okay, okay, like okay. So every so often, <laughs> every so often, Joey and I will have like a stupid like argument about nothing. <laughs> but, but but it's but we, we know it's stupid. We know it's stupid. and we keep it we going just because it. it's funny. <laughs> So, like, so Richard has access to the notes, right? And we, this was a topic we yes. were talking about for a while. Because you were like, did you know Finding Nemo has a co-director? Now, when people say co-director, like, there's usually more than one person, like, directing an animated movie, right? Yes. Think about the guy, yes. you know, um, um, you know, got the, uh, Musker and Clemens who did, um, you know, Aladdin, Moana, a bunch of great Disney mm-hmm. movies. Um, and of course the Beauty and the Beast guys and, um, you know, in the the case of like a lot of the Pixar movies, it's like, usually like you have a a directing credit and you have a separate co-director credit, right? Like for- It's like a lot of them have that too. Most of them do. Yeah. Most of them do. I was, I was reading up on this. Um, and I, I was curious about it because I wanted to read, like, okay, what's the distinction, right? Because a lot of these movies have this. Like, Pixar feels very, like, unique in a sort of weird way because, like, a lot of them do have, like, singular directors, like, listed, kind of. Like, like Brad Bird will always be associated with, like, the Incredibles movies or, like, um, you know, Andrew Stanton for Wally, But a lot of them, again, are, like... You know, like in this case, it's Andrew Stanton with Lee Unkrich. I hopefully I'm pronouncing the name right, but right, um, like he's he was the co-director. But also, like you were saying, like a lot of animation departments are like teams. Like it's a team yes. effort. So right. it's, so it, so I it is it is definitely and especially I think in this case makes it worth like actually digging into it a little bit. Right. Yeah. But the my case in this because I was reading an article about Finding Dory, right? And obviously <laughs> Lee Unkrich yeah. is not the co-director of that movie it's angus <laughs> angus mclean um and i put angus who would, who would go on to direct lightyear by the way yes yes um go and direct lightyear also uh but like i put ang i put mclean's name on there and you're like why is his name in here and i'm like because I, I and i i sounded like so snide and like 
like a, I, like a complete asshole. You know, well, like, and I'm like, because he's the co-director. You're like, no, he's not. <laughs> like, no, he's well, not. Like, like, very like, justly, because Richard. <laughs> like the the terrible part though was that we had a weird moment where like we were talking about Andrew Stanton talking about John Lasseter and how he's like good with minute detail, and I was like, you know, in context, is probably not a good thing. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. It's not related to anything, but I said it, and Joey's like, sure. <laughs> So like, like, okay, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I know when he says that, like, it's just like him going, "Okay, just push this away." We don't need admittedly, this admittedly, yes. <laughs> but and I and the, and the part is, I know this is true because I've heard it <laughs> so many times. He knows, he knows. Um, and we, but got then, like, whole, it just. Just like the content, I, I guess like the, the fact that it started like that, <laughs> and that led to just already us being kind of annoyed, <laughs> and then like, I'm like, oh, why are you being sassy with me? But at that point, I'm, I'm just like, excuse me, you know, because I figure it's just goofy at this point, right? Because I feel like stupid. we've only had one real argument. And that was at Disney World 2019. You were standing <laughs> on this thing, and it bothered me so much. I didn't want a security guard to yell at you at Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. But this is why we are very good friends here, folks. Uh, uh, we are having a jolly good time, and we haven't even said diddly squat about the fantastic movie. About the Other than Andrew Stanton and Lee Unkrich <laughs> were part of the team. They led the charge! <laughs> that, they were there, they made this movie, and we're talking about it. It's gonna be a good time! <laughs> but, like, basically, like, I think, again, like, the, 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 we wanted to look up the co-director thing. I'm, I learned, I feel like we all learned something, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but Finding Nemo is a really, is, you know, did you know? Like, here's the thing that always gets me. So, you know how people are always like, Disney dominates the animation category, which they do, right? Disney Pixar yeah. dominates the animation yeah. category of the Oscars. Finding Nemo was the first time a, like, a Disney, like, any, like, a, Dis a tangentially Disney movie won the Oscar for animated feature. Um, oh, really? Well, because Shrek was first, right? Shrek was first, then Spirited Away, yeah. which I know, like, the. Miyazaki stuff was distributed by Disney for a while, but I'm not going to count that because that's a no. Other, that's that's a whole thing. That's a whole situation. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um. But Finding Nemo was the first one, which makes sense because um, Monsters Inc. was in 2001 and it lost out to mm -hmm. Shrek. Okay. Um. And then this uh you know came out in 2003. You know. And what else was nominated that year? If you don't mind me asking. Um. I will let you know right now. I actually have the Wikipedia. Pulled up. So for finding, so finding Nemo. Oh man, Brother Bear. Oh my. <laughs> and then the triplets of uh, Belleville. Um, you know, yeah, those were the ones. That, man, two thousand two had a bunch nominated though. You know, what was two thousand two? Two thousand two. Spirited Away won. Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, and Treasure Planet, which is celebrating its twentieth birthday as we are recording as another I love action movie. adventure movie by <laughs> Disney Flops. Ah! You sounded like 
Kirk when he's shouting, Kirk! Kirk! J-Pack! Well, he's gone now, so we're okay. <laughs> but speaking of Disney CEOs that people have mixed feel- have certain feelings on, Michael Eisner, okay, he ran things at Disney for quite a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, he's do- he did some great things. And later on, he did some colossally stupid things. Um, mm. And one of those things was, obviously, like, Disney Disney owns Pixar now, right? Yeah. Disney did buy yeah. Pixar. Eisner, at one of the early, like, when they had, like, a rough screening of Finding Nemo, like, in, like, the early 2000s, he's like, this is going to be a wake-up call for Pixar, because this thing will flop. This thing, at the time, became the <laughs> highest-grossing animated movie ever. <laughs> What a and dummy! What oh, again? Now listen, he's he he is responsible for some brilliant moves, but he's yes, also no, I, a, a colossal <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> and I, it's, he, it's it's that balance, you know. Listen, it's like you win some, you lose some. Like listen, sometimes, sometimes you just go, okay, we are going to make really cheap ass Disney parks that suck, and then other times you make like. Or like the Disney Renaissance, <laughs> or if you're Bob, I- or if you're Bob Iger, you're like, okay, let's buy Marvel and Star Wars. Those are great business decisions, right? They're not good for like antitrust reasons, but they're great business decisions. <laughs> but then you greenlight a sequel to Alice in Wonderland that comes out six years later because who gives a shit? We're not even talking about Finding Nemo at this point. Um, okay, Nemo, we're not going to no, no, us. We're not pulling a machete. My, 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 point, my, point, my point is, though, with Nemo, my point is, though, with Nemo, like, this was a project that had doubters, let's just call let's yes. just say. Okay? Yes. And yeah. this was, um, you know, because Pete Doc, like, so, like, because, you know, Lasseter directed Toy Story, Bugs Life, Stanton was a co-director on uh, Bugs Life, Monsters Inc., uh, directed by Pete Doctor, and then you had Finding Nemo, um, which it's one of the Pixar movies. It feels very different from those earlier Pixar movies. I forgot to mention Toy Story Two, but Lasseter did that too. But whatever. Yeah, um, we'll get to that maybe. We'll yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Finding Nemo. It, it's an interesting one because it comes out two thousand three, and Pirates of the Caribbean also comes out two thousand three. And Disney, Disney had a pretty good, pretty good year, honestly. Like they just knew, let's go to the ocean this year. Why not? Let's go to the yeah. ocean because we go above the water, we we'll go below the water. We'll make money either way, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll get some, we'll get some uh, heavy Oscar nominations. Yeah, in 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 that regard as well. Do you, you said you saw this in theaters as well? I didn't actually watch this in theaters, but yeah. I did see this. Do you remember um, that? Mm-hmm. I do, because um, I remember going to the, the movie theater at my mall, obviously, you know, and my mom would take us, because who else would take, you know, it's kind of one of those things, right. having a single parent. Um, and I remember, like, the movie, obviously, because I'm a very sensitive person, so, like, there were parts where it did scare me. Um, mm. Like, the, there were parts of the sharks that, you know, worried me, and I'm like, oh gosh, this Willem Dafoe fish has, like, a messed up fin. <laughs> That's kind of weird, right? <laughs> and then, um, we, but the movie's great. My mom always says, like, I always remember that movie being so colorful. My mom doesn't, like, really watch animated stuff anymore, which makes sense. <laughs> 
But, like, mm-hmm. that you always remember with Finding Nemo is a very colorful movie. And I remember my brother and I getting the video game on the PlayStation 2. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that I only saw it once in theaters. But, obviously, it's a movie I've seen so many times since. My first time watching it was... I. I want to say I rented it from from Blockbuster because we that's how we watched everything as far as new like anything that we missed in theaters because we had a Blockbuster in town which I loved I loved that so much like I would go all the time I would I got to know everyone that worked there when I was when I was old enough I tried to get a job there and they didn't offer it to me until after they needed people to help them close the store down. <laughs> Yeah. And by that point, I had already gotten a different job uh, at the Disney store, oddly enough. Uh, wow. wow. Which I, I only worked uh, for one season. So, <laughs> and then they closed. So I was like, can this stop? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, don't want- I didn't even know. I don't think I even knew that about you with the Disney store stint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2009 Disney store. Uh, I worked for the holidays. I told them initially, this is a whole different story, so I apologize. I know we just said we were going to talk about Nemo, but I'm going to tell this story real quick. So I was working at the Disney store because we had one at the mall for so long. And my sister had worked there years prior when she was 16. And so I wanted to get a job there when I was 18, 18, 19. I think I was 19, actually. And uh, that year, uh, we were told that they were closing down. And a couple of days after that uh, was going to be Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving. And that Christmas Eve, or Thanksgiving, then Christmas Eve, that Christmas Eve was the first one uh, without my grandma because she passed away the year prior. And we always went to her house for Christmas Eve. And that was like the highlight of Christmas was going to see my grandma and hanging out at grandma's and then, you know, going to pick up my other grandma and then coming home and doing Christmas um and we couldn't do that that year because my grandma passed away so we had to figure out what to do then so the new tradition would be to go over to my aunt and uncle's house which we haven't done obviously in a couple of years but uh and so i had initially on the seasonal application told them i can't work christmas eve which obviously if you're gonna be a seasonal worker that's one of like the mandatory days you gotta work you know because they're gonna need you but they hired me anyway right they said, okay, that's fine, you know, welcome to Disney Store. So I was like, all right, cool. So that gave me the assumption, apparently, that I was cool not to have to come into work on Christmas Eve. And so I got the schedule, and I was like, why am I scheduled Christmas Eve? I don't, I don't understand. So I called my boss, and I said, so I was hired under the notion, and I told you guys this up front, that I couldn't work Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And you guys said that was okay. I can work Christmas Day, that's fine, but I can't work Christmas Eve. And they were like, well, you're going to have to work there. And if that is the case, like, we shouldn't have hired you then. Right. And I was like, well, all right then. And I quit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew the story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm so sorry we got into it. <laughs> it's... But you know what? It was one of a few times where Disney has upset me, but that's just a personal thing. Mm. Um, And I remember my mom even being like on the sidelines, being like, tell her you can't. Tell her you can't come in. And I was like, I I can't. I just can't come in. I don't care. I just cannot. Like, 
and I explained why, like my grandma died and you know, yada, 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 but she wasn't having it. So no. I was like, yeah. all right, I-, I quit. So I quit before they closed down. So, and I have my name tag somewhere, I think, oddly oh, well. enough. but, um, anyway, so, so that was, that's, that's a Disney memory, a, a Disney Christmas memory for the Christmas, ep- for one of the Christmas episodes, ladies and germs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Finding Nemo. Uh, I do believe the first time I ever watched it was we rented it from Blockbuster, and I I was so into it like it was like because like I remember loving Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Bugs Life. I was kind of lukewarm on. I played the Bugs Life video game on PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, when it came out, um, and Monsters Inc. I actually didn't watch until like later in life, but like Finding Nemo. I remember watching and it it had it has like everything you know like I think like yeah. some the best Pixar movies happen to have like everything like it's suspenseful, it's moving, it's funny, um, and obviously you got that really great sort of core story of just like a dad trying to find his kid. It's like it's like taken without you know the repetitiveness of like if you don't let my daughter go now, I will look for you. <laughs> I will find you. And I will kill you. Right. But could you imagine, like, Albert Brooks just going, now listen. <laughs> I can't do it, Albert Brooks. So no, but. see, actually, what would be funnier, because you do you know who was originally supposed to play Marlon? Was it? It wasn't Liam Neeson. Was no. it? Okay. No. <laughs> that would have been really funny. <laughs> what? Have you seen my son, Nemo? <laughs> I will look for you. I will swim after you. And I will slap you with my fin. Have you seen my son? <laughs> no, actually, it was um, William H Macy. Which now, I'm just oh ima- really? So now I'm just imagining the dad from Jurassic Park three. <laughs> yes, I, yes. Like Marlin <laughs> uh, uh, the Cloudfish, <laughs> Cloudfish Enterprises. <laughs> Marlin Peyton Tile. <laughs> it's Marlin Peyton Tile plus. Yeah, we sell uh, 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 anemone uh, fixtures. Anemone. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah. But th- that that's a that's a wow. That was quite a story to get. To get to- <laughs> I, I never knew all of that, so I learned something today. That's that's me. <laughs> but. I it it became I think for me and I I I would assume for you as well like like one of the top tier like Pixar movies yeah because like I like I even remember um the the DVD having that like fishbowl feature where you can like just have like the ocean view just play on your screen mm-hmm. and I just remember just letting that play and just like vibing you know. <sighs> Man, like like DVD bonus features back in the day were really cool. Like, do you remember the Lion King Safari games? Yes, yes, I do. Those were so fun. Kids just don't like, know, to- man. Kids, because listen, I do enjoy some of the things they do with the streaming services, but there's just you can't beat a, a classic like like Disney game bonus feature. Yeah, you can't like. Like the, the the amount of like care that went into those DVDs, even the Blu-rays later, like I just like like 
even just like when 3D came out and like Disney was doing the 3D and like the the, the fat cases. Oh yeah, they had like four discs. You got the you got the the 3D Blu-ray disc, the regular Blu-ray disc, the DVD disc, the bonus feature disc, mm-hmm. um, the the spare disc for the digital copy because yep. we didn't have codes at that point. We weren't doing. We were just downloading them onto our computers so we could actually yep. own them, not like. You know, some places where it's like, oh, you bought this? Well, um, uh, yeah, you don't own it anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is why physical media is fantastic. Um, and that'll come back later, by the way. <laughs> it, it will. Um, but, like, Finding Nemo, I mean, it was a gr- I remember owning that DVD. It's a great DVD. Blu-ray is great. I mean, it's a whole Blu-ray bonus disc, which you oh, don't yeah. always see anymore. Um like I was thinking about this with uh, I think Coco. I think Coco has a whole separate bonus disc. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've looked at the my my disc of Coco, admittedly. But in any case, um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> let's talk. Like obviously, like you've probably heard of Finding Nemo at the very least if you're listening to this show. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, you know it's the story of of Marlin the clownfish. Uh, you know, he's a single he's a single parent, and he is very single nerd- parent. Sorry, no, 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 no. You keep going. You keep going. He's ge- and he's obviously because of a very traumatic event. I'm just trying to get the so we can get to the meat and potatoes but, after a very yeah, traumatic yeah, yeah. event where he lost his wife and most of his unborn children, except for Nemo. Uh, he's very protective of Nemo. He's very much a helicopter parent. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and. and- and also because Nemo is handicapped because he has a little fin. He's a little fin. Yep, the lucky fin. Um, so then finally Nemo gets to go to school with a school of fish. <laughs> isn't that isn't that cute, guys? School of fish at school. You know, get it? Uh, you know, kind of fun. But <laughs> obviously, this is like a very nerve wracking thing for Marlin. And then they find he finds out they're going to the drop off. He's like, what? No. No. That's open ocean. We're not and, going there, Nemo. And he gets, he, he, he like, obviously, he embarrasses Nemo in front of the kid, you know, and Nemo is not having it. Nemo uh, is going to, he touches the boat. He touches the boat. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everyone's like, ooh. And then Nemo he, gets taken. Nemo gets taken <laughs> by people. And Marlin has to go across the ocean to find his son. All the way to Sydney, Australia yes. to find his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, he he does things like and again, it's also worth noting, like like we were saying earlier, that Marlin is a very overprotective kind of person, but he's also yes. a very excuse me, he's very much a shut in sort of kind of person. You know, he's like, I'm good in the anemone. We'll take a peek out and get stuff if we need it. But other than that, we go back to the anemone. We're good to go. Um, he was quarantining before anybody, basically. <laughs> yeah, Marlin was probably wearing a mask before uh, any of the other fish. <laughs> Marlin would be very pro-mask. Marlin and me are very similar. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, he's... Basically, like, because that's the kind of the whole point of the story is like, um, you know, you have this guy who is very scared and very overprotective of his child, literally willing to go on this whole adventure just to get his kid back. And yep. he, he, he meets with sharks 
who are a part of a like AA sort of uh, thing where they're trying not to eat fish anymore. Which is just <laughs> such a, like, it's one of those jokes where it's funny. It is funny as a kid just to see sharks not try not to eat fish. But also as an adult, you're like, oh God, this is al- this is alcohol and anonymous. <laughs> fish are friends, not food. And there's not many, sometimes people talk about that with animated stuff, like for families, I mean. And yeah. sometimes, like, there's stuff that, like, either works one way or the other. And that's one of the few gags I feel like that works. It works for your ki- when you're a kid, but also works for very different reasons when you're a grown-up. <laughs> when you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. my goodness. Uh, oh, my but, God. Like, sea turtles. Okay. Sea turtles. Crush is probably my favorite character amongst all the, like, side characters. I think that's a pretty common answer, but I do genuinely love Crush. Like, we were, we were talking as we were watching the movie, because we like to joke about rad dads, mm-hmm. and, like, who is a rad dad, who isn't rad dad. Like, that's a high honor if you are a rad dad, I think. Yeah. Like, Joey Joey is a rad dad in his own right, and we, we joke about it, especially when we're on Disney trips. Like, if it's, like... <laughs> Like, like uh, the last one when it was me, Joey, his brother, uh, Mike, Allison, and her brother, and uh, Joey was definitely dad. <laughs> and and we were like, like, because it was also Joey's birthday week, and I was like, we gotta, we gotta get him like some sort of rad dad representation. And I got him the grumpy shirt, and I'm still so proud of that. <laughs> but uh, but long story short, um, Crush feels like. The sort of, pro- like, if you were going to give a symbol, like, if we had a trophy to give to Rad Dads, I would like to think it would look like Crush. It would. Yes, it would. It would It would look like Crush. Um, trying to think what else. But, I mean, jellyfish, seagull, like, seagulls. The ocean is a perilous place, my friends. And I totally didn't even think about the Pirates of the Caribbean Nemo connection with Jeffrey Rush. Above yep. the sea, below the sea. Above the sea, below the sea. Because <laughs> Jeffrey Wright, Je- Jeffrey Rush, sorry, not Jeffrey Wright. Um, that'd be amazing if Jeffrey Wright was in a, a Finding Nemo movie. <laughs> There's a flaw with the fishes. <laughs> He'd be like a very scientific fish. He would have to be. Um, for sure. But Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush uh, is in this. Um, he's fantastic. He's so good. It, it's it's. I'm so used to him playing villains. Admittedly, like I know he's played like some good people here and there, but like I'm used to him in like pirates and then mystery men as like villains. But then like here he's like just a chill pelican that likes you know he like he's got a thing for dentistry. You know he's like he's like the one elf from Rudolph, <laughs> except you know he doesn't Her- want Her- to Her- be the a elf. dentist. He just. He's he's like uh what is Nigel is that his name? I think I think Nigel's the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but like uh he helps Marlin and uh along his journey to help find Nemo and there's the the fish tank gang. Yes. Um a lot of great uh voice a lot of great voices there. Willem Dafoe is probably the most dominant and he's so good as Gil uh as like sort of like a like a surrogate father figure kind of character to Nemo. Um, and then, um, Brad Garrett as the Pufferfish. Yes. is so fun. Yeah. The um, Ring of Fire! fire! 
Come on, turn it to Ring of Fire. <laughs> I think my favorite, my favorite in the tank is uh, the late uh, great Joe Ramped as Jacques. <sighs> Joe Ramped. Um, where, oh like, my god! We yeah. always talk about this, and it's a joke that like sometimes it'll just like play in my head, and I'll just laugh <laughs> randomly. Where it's just like Jacques, and he has to do the cleanup, and he's like, "We," oui! and you hear like the stereotypically like French music playing, and then he leaves, <laughs> and like the. Mwah! And it's like <laughs> it's it's just like a like a silly little moment, but it just it's like the funniest thing I've seen in any Pixar movie, honestly. <laughs> or like just anytime he shows up, like or like Jacques, quick cleaning. I am sorry. I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. And he's got like the he's got like the ring like like the ring of muck on his face. Like <laughs> I am shaped. <laughs> that, that, that that tank that that group is it's a fun gang and it, it makes things fun because obviously Nemo's a kid right and we care about Nemo but it's also yeah. nice to like when you have something to cut back to when you cut back to Nemo you have something engaging and exciting because then you have the yeah. dentist okay and the dentist <laughs> is gonna give Nemo as a gift to Darla <laughs> and they play like the <laughs> music <laughs> Darla. <laughs> And it's also interesting to know, too, and I talked about this um, off mic, that, like, you know, up to this point, we hadn't seen, like, too many people in Pixar movies, and you really think about it. Like, yeah. And I, I think, like, while obviously, you know, this was 2003, so it's not going to be, like, Chris, like, it's not going to be, like, oh, my God, but... I, I was thinking about like the especially specifically for for the um for the dentist and his niece. I, I I thought those were really well done. It was real. It was a really nice design, and it looked like yeah. there were characters, and it wasn't just like a creepy like um what's the uh, uncanny valley like with Andy and his mom in the first Toy Story. <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You, you did you picture his his face in that part to just I don't want to play with you. <laughs> but that's toy that's Toy Story two. I still so picture it. <laughs> that's fine. You know what? It's kind of funny with the with the Toy Story movies because sometimes like my brain will adjust them from the earlier movies into their newer incarnations. Sometimes, so I'll remember scenes, but like they'll look like in like a crystal clear like four K high resolution. <laughs> But you know, maybe that's for the better, though. <laughs> maybe that helps. Uh, you know, yeah. but um, but also, like, again, the tank game is great, but we also have to talk about, because Marlin is not doing this by himself. He's not going on these no. misadventures by himself. Um, it is time to talk about Dory. It is time to talk about Dory. A character who is extremely popular, okay? Dory's very popular. Dory got her own sequel. That yes, this is true. She got her mm -hmm. own sequel. Um she basically uh I feel like finding Nemo in a way made Ellen DeGeneres like rel relevant again. I could yeah, cuz like I know she had like the the sitcom prior to that in the 90s, I think, and I don't. I don't remember when she started the talk show, right. personally. Let me see but I think. I think. I'd like to think it was a little bit after Finding Dory, or Finding Nemo, not Dory. Uh, she was already well into that show by Dory. But, like, yeah, that was that was one of that's probably besides the show. I think that's the one thing modern. 
people might know her the best for. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm trying to. No, you're fine. Find like the the daytime because oddly enough, it's not like the first thing that you see here. <laughs> it was it was two thousand it was two thousand three September two thousand three, and this movie so came literally out like in the same like that was a big year. <laughs> that was a, now again, again, we also we also have to mention too Ellen DeGeneres because of recent events. Like we're just bringing this up for context, and it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about Dory because she is. A huge part of it. She is, yes. like, the other... Like, you have Mar- obviously Marlon and Nemo, but you also have Dory. And and Dory has her whole her own whole plot line, even, that connects with everything. Yes. Yeah, and so, like, she's just as prominent as, like, a lot of the other characters. Yep. Yep, for sure. But, you know, it, like you said, yeah, we, we, do gotta, we do gotta acknowledge the fact that, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on with Ellen DeGeneres in recent years, so that that sucks. It always sucks when you know stuff like that it, it happens and we learn about it, but it has to. We have to point it out. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also too, one of the defining features of Dory is that she she has short term memory loss, and mm-hmm. this was something. I mean, again, I didn't think about. I was a I was like a nine, 10 years old when this movie came out, you know, yeah, I was probably like 13. I, w- I wasn't thinking about anything. No, I'm sure most, a lot of people were n- probably not thinking about it, but again, I don't, I don't want to diminish people who do suffer from this. Um, you know, it's just like, that was something I, I don't feel like I ever heard much about. And then when finding Dory came out, I heard more people really start to talk about where it's like, it's kind of weird because this character, if you made this character today, that 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 would be like especially because they play it up in a lot of areas for humor. Yes, yeah. in, this, in this movie, like, like there's a lot of like jokes where like um she would be doing something and uh you know immediately obviously with short term memory loss she'd forget it and it's sort of like you know like like Marlon would talk about like having to find Nemo and she'd be like oh that sounds terrible like after she just spent time with him right and they would play that up for laughs right. And be- yeah. the other part of it too is because the the voice actor for Dory is really f- is really good at making things funny, you know. Yeah. Like I, I my letterbox review, which when, when when she calls Nemo Fabio, I die, dude. That is- <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'll, so I'll admit some like I'll still there's some parts where I'm like that's it's just funny because of the way they deliver that line. But it's yeah. like, you're also in the back of your head going, man, this is like, cause especially just now, cause Disney is more about, you know, a bit more about diversity and inclusion and all that. It is, mm-hmm. is definitely an element that plays, I feel like does play differently, even though it, it's so <laughs> we, like, we, we feel terrible, but we can't help it in some yeah. weird way, I guess. But we, but we, but it's worth pointing out and it is worth acknowledging um, cause I feel like this, I mean, obviously like, I think the first thing I think of when I think of like something like, like a short term memory loss sort of plot line is like, I remember 50 first dates. Yeah. And like, I remember that movie and I mean, I think they, they tried to, they at some degree tried to play it a little bit more serious and tried to be more like sincere about it. But then there's also like a lot of really like kind of 
uncomfortable jokes, you know, with, like, characters. Like, they'll be like, this guy can only remember things for, like, like, ten minutes or something, and then he just completely forgets it, or, like, and then they just say, like, it's, it's, yeah. Um, it is, it is nice that they, they sort of try to play it up as sort of a sincere thing at points. At parts. Um, at parts, but it's um, very, it's not, I don't think it's as strong as it no. could have been, maybe, to, to no. justify it, I guess. No, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do also have to say, too, there are moments where Dory is just funny, dis- aside from that, uh, that stuff, like when she's speaking whale. Mm-hmm. You know that's a very a very notable like funny thing. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see now I feel like you got to do a whale thing for the intro, like. What? Double feature. I'll be like after like five hours. Screw this. Like wow, this this is a little bit longer than I expected. This is this is really long. Um, she, she she has that, but obviously, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, which is a nice setup for a moment later in the film. Yes, which uh, yes. where um, Nemo and Marlin finally reunite, and it's beautiful. I tear up every time, especially when they hug. Yes, you know, it's beautiful, and uh, then of course there's fishermen, and they're uh, trying to catch all these fish, and Dory gets caught. And so Nemo's like, you know, I gotta help. And Marlon's initially like, wait, I no, I just got you back. He's like, Dad, I could do this. He's like, yes, you can. He's like, tell everyone to tell everyone to swim down. He's like, well, you heard my son, swim down, <laughs> dude. And the thing is, like, this movie really puts you through the emotional ringer because just before you had an intense scene of Jeffrey Rush flying around with with Marlon and Nemo in his mouth and he's flying around <laughs> the dentist's office. They flush Nemo down in like the dentist like drain. It's like <laughs> I, like any, almost any other movie I'd be like, "Okay, that's fine. They reunite like this." This is a, Andrew Stanton and company are like, "No. No, we're not ma- we can't make this easy. You want it to be that easy? <laughs> Fuck you. We're going <laughs> to we're going to keep going with this. And we're going to like we're going to squeeze your heart. But, but until it, but, all of the sadness completely but, but comes you out. But also, you need that section because it is the resolution of like, okay, Marlin can trust his son, you know, because and again, also because he sees other parents, but not other, too many other parents, but like, you crush with his, with his kid is like, let's see what he does going solo, you know, because he gets flung out of the current, and Marlin's like, ah, which I would be too. <laughs> I'd be like, what? <laughs> Well, so, like, the, the funny part when that moment happened, I was like, this is Joey saying, hey, let's go on Splash Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I, I will always remember the image of Joey's face, of just the giddiness on his face, when we got off the big drop, and I'm just like... <laughs> and Joey's just like, I'm so sorry! It, it's, it's an inc- like. Really, I think it was what is it? A hundred minutes when all is Something. said and done. Hold on. I have the I have the my disc next to me. It is. Let me see here. Is exact? Yeah, exactly one hundred minutes. Um, which I think is a perfect runtime for any movie. 
Um, yes. I'll talk a little bit more about the... I mean, Albert Brooks is perfect in this movie. So uh, good. As Marlon, I think he's one of my favorite Pixar characters in general. Uh, and he does such a great job. Uh, we talked about Ellen DeGeneres, you know, very funny and, you know, all that. Uh, Alexander um, Gould, I believe, plays the plays Nemo. Very good. Um, very good. Very good. Willem Dafoe, we have not talked that much about, but he's a great character. The Willem Dafoe, which I got to talk about, like, the posts that I see where they're like, the sexy yeah. thing from Finding Nemo played the Green Goblin. And people are like, what? What sexy thing from Finding Nemo? What are you talking about? There's a, a sexy... What? 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 It's like, the, what? <laughs> but... Incre- I mean, incredible. Obviously, Jeffrey Rush, you know, uh, Brad Garrett, uh, the late great Joe Ramped, um, John Ratzenberg as uh, just Ratzenberger as the um, as the, as the uh, fish, like, the fish that like change into di- like the school of fish that like changes. I love it when they have the frowning clownfish. <laughs> like, tell your fr- what? What does he say at the end? Tell your tell your friend to loosen up or something. And tell that one guy uh, loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Um, and it's it's also fun fact. It's it's the, no Randy Newman. We got Thomas Newman. We got Thomas Newman. No Randy. No Randy Thomas. He does a good good score here. Um, the music. I was saying this to you. The music during that during the 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 swim down scene is intense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like like you like it's such an adrenaline rush but it's also like oh no like i even just the bit when like some of the fish are out of the water when the net is coming up and you see dory and nemo like flopping and you're like Uh, you just got him back (laughs) i'm thinking about also too that the setup because i don't know if we talked about like the the quote-unquote tank breakout that they tried to that they tried to do uh Mm. and lee uncritch co-directed this all went on to direct toy story 3 which is a prison break movie <laughs> it's the pe- the parallels are there folks parallels are there but uh, again it's nice that it ha- it's it, it the nemo's the swim down you know it, it, it has that too um mm-hmm. this obviously as i said was extremely successful it was at the time <clears throat> the most successful animated movie ever even outgrossing i mean before lion king got a bunch of re-releases it outgrossed lion king um, over eight hundred million dollars. I think today it stands nine hundred forty million dollars. It has several, several unique Disney theme park experiences. I will name them now because this is why I'm here to do. We have. The, <laughs> I'm ready. This is not probably not all of them. I'm probably forgetting some. The Finding Nemo submarine voyage, which before them was just the submarine voyage that was just a lagoon that was laying there for several years, and Disney was like, wait, we can still use these, and we have a successful ocean movie. Anyway, Finding Nemo the Musical at Animal Kingdom. You have Turtle Talk with Crush, which is at Epcot and Disney California Adventure. You have The Seas with Nemo and Friends, okay, at also at Epcot, all right? And there was a period of time where there was two, count them, two Ellen DeGeneres rides, which is The Seas with Nemo and Friends and Universe of Energy. And then there's also a Crush roller coaster in Disney and uh, Disney Studios in Paris, and th- those are the ones. And I think there is also, um, I think, at one of the other international parks, I think they they rethemed something to make it like the um, the ocean the the institute that's in Finding Dory. Ah, um, uh, okay. 
you know, if I off the top of my head, I believe that's what they did. But in any case, it shows you this. It's not like other Disney movies where it's like, okay, we made one attraction and we're just going to clone it at all the other parks. No, Finding Nemo got several unique, unique attractions. And most of them, other than like Turtle Talk with Crush, are not like duplicates of each other, which is, I think, is pretty interesting. And I see that, I see clips from the Turtle Talk thing every day. Yeah. Like every single day. Like Instagram's like, here's another one. Or it's, like, it's, it's a funny thing. Allison it's, put it's, me in a seat intentionally once, so Crush would pick on me. Hi, Allison. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> The, the the best part of that was just the 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 New York ish accent that guy. Hey Allison, how you doing? <laughs> how, how, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> but you know what? Hey, you got to talk. Was was what? Did he pick on you though? Like, was it bad? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I talked about how I was an umbrella boy, and I don't like going to the beat. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably you got more judged. I'm sure Allison will remember every detail. Uh so you can ask her if you if you wish. You know, I'll give you that permission. Um not that you need it. But <laughs> uh, and, I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> in any case, um I mean I think we both agree, like, this is a terrific, um, a really well made family film. Like kids can enjoy this, adults can enjoy this. I think it's still really funny for the most part. It's it's one of my favorite Pixar movies. It's it's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. Period. Like if I'm thinking of like uh, just a Disney animated movie that I like, like not even just associating like Pixar or Disney animation. Like it, Finding Finding Nemo's on that list at some point. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just a fun movie. It gives it gives you all the feels. I love all the characters, you know, and. I, I I don't particularly care for the sequel, but at least I have this, and that's all that matters. You know, here's here's my hot take. I think other than the Toy Story movies, I think Finding Dory is the best Pixar sequel. That's not Toy Story, <laughs> <laughs> and that's 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 shocking to hear from you. I think. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's man, Sigourney yeah, Weaver, isn't it? That's part of it, but dude, dude Jerome, <laughs> dude, there's so many horrible <laughs> things. I trust Becky. You trust Becky. Becky's wearing a cup. <laughs> there's there's a lot of moments, and you have a balding fish. It's incredible. It's an incredible <laughs> achievement. Good job, Andrew Stanton. You did it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think it's a I think it's a, fu- a funny a fun movie. It's not perfect, and it's just like okay. Sometimes you're just like okay. It's recycled Nemo leftovers, but. <laughs> that that is probably the best part of that whole movie <laughs> outside of Sigourney Weaver <laughs> which I think that's a good note um, To we're going to take a brief intermission we come back we come back we are not going to talk about Finding Dory we're going to talk about another Andrew Stanton movie that we both think is really excellent stay tuned if you want <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we got crazy with Finding Nemo. <laughs> and we had a uh, a rip-roaring good time. That we did. That we did. And now we're moving on to another Andrew Stanton-directed uh, Pixar film. And this one uh, just achieved something very unique, especially amongst Disney films. Amongst ve- specifically films that are very much branded in the Disney company name. With, with the Disney logo in front of it. And so that was sort of the catalyst for getting us to, to talk about, to have this whole episode to begin with. Um, Joe Dinny Dan, what is this film we are talking about? Oh, Richard. Richard, we are talking about uh, a film whose titular character is a solar-powered trash-compacting robot, is the savior of Earth, and the number one fan of Hello, Dolly. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to say ta-da. Or should I say, ta-da, because we are talking, oh, and also prepare to say, whoa, because we are talking about <laughs> Andrew Stanton's Wally. <laughs> the Wally. <laughs> I love this movie. I love this oh movie. Oh, my God. I know you do, too. Uh, it, it is um, a movie that... I, if I could go back in time and see it on the big screen, I would, because Same. I, did, I did not see it on the big screen, and I hate I hate 14-year-old me for not seeing it on the big screen. I, well, I think I was too obsessed with The Dark Knight at the time. Unfortunately, like, <sighs> like, it's just the truth. I, can't, I, I still love the movie. I, I get it. It's one of those movies too many people talk about. It's a film bros we, movie now. We talked about it too with Gifford. Hi, Gifford. We did. Hi, Giff. How you doing? Don't touch the boat! <laughs> Have you seen my Gifford? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen my Giff? Gifford! Uh, <laughs> but, no, I, I was too focused on The Dark Knight. But when I did see it, I loved it. And it's it's one of those movies, especially amongst Pixar movies, I feel like it stands out in so many ways. Mm. And it's just, there's something so, like, brilliant about it. Like, like I'm, I'm hard-pressed just to call it, like, another, like, kids animated movie. Because I feel like it's so much more than that. Right. And it's just got so many layers, but... The whole focus is, of course, our little robot buddy, Wally. Yes. And uh, Earth is at a point where um, uh, there's a lot of trash. There's a lot of trash everywhere. It's a trashy planet. There's building-sized towers of trash. And uh, we quickly learn um, that uh, there was this company called By and Large, um, which is sort of like a like a Walmart or like an Amazon sort of like a thing, and they they basically got a monopoly on the world. Yeah, I mean, you see like Oval Office, like 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 White House addresses, and it's not even like the White House in the background; it's the by and large like storefront. <laughs> it's like I'm pretty sure like the White House has become the by and large White House. Like, every product is, by and large... Hell, all the robots in this movie were all made by, by and large. Yes. Or by some subsidiary subsidiary of, 
by and large, but it's still by and large. Yeah, so the planet suffered a lot of, like, you know, obviously pollution, uh, p- particularly, ga- like, plastic and garbage pollution, specifically. Very specifically. And so, uh, by and large, had an idea. We're going to take all the humans, and we're going to put them in these cruise liners and send them into space. Mm-hmm. And... The humans will wait in space while these little robots, these Wally robots, will clean up the planet. And uh, there might be, you know, some air pollution. There might be some haze, if you will. But eventually, once they're done, humans can come back. Um, jump to seven hundred years later. <laughs> yes, seven hundred years later, and like what, like twelve captains later on that. On that Star Cruiser. <laughs> on the Axiom, yeah. Um, uh, the humans are still in space, and Wally is now the only, at least as far as we know, the only Wally robot even alive or even doing anything on uh, planet Earth. And the Earth is basically like just a giant trash heap. And uh, Wally is is an interesting uh, robot because he's a very curious robot. He's a very inquisitive robot. So while he is still doing his 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 job that he was programmed to do, he'll also look around and and notice some things in the trash that seem interesting to him. And he'll be like, "Whoa!" Or like he'll see a hubcap and he'll be like, "Ooh, whoa!" And he he even you know accumulates a whole collection for himself. Like he's got a whole bunch of lighters. Uh, he's got, um, spare parts for himself that, you know, he'll salvage from other Wally robots that have died. Um, and probably his prized possession is his, his old copy of Hello Dolly, which he watches on an old iPod, uh, with a, uh, with like a magnifying screen so that he can see it, uh, properly. And he loves it, but it also makes him sad because he's lonely Yes. And so he's he's he does have a little cockroach buddy, a little bug buddy that hangs out with him, but you know, he's he's like I want I want someone I want love. Yeah. Like anybody else, I want some I want someone to love. And um in comes uh the Eve robot. Which what is what does Eve stand for? What does Wally stand what are these these are all acronyms by the way. <laughs> <laughs> in, case you're, in case you're curious, G- give me a second. I'm gonna uh, look at that really. Uh... All right, Wally Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class. Okay, because I think Walla is like Waste Allocation Load one. Lifter Axiom. Okay, yeah, and, and then Eve is Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator. So basically, Eve, who sort of looks like a super modern robot. Um, especially compared to Wally, who's very rusty and he's been in, he's, you know, he's been with trash his whole life, basically. Um, he meets Eve and she's pristine. She's perfect. She's beautiful. She's shiny. Um, she's, she's very, got, she's got a very sleek design and, um, her whole goal is that she's trying to, as, you know, as her name indicates, she's trying to find, uh, signs of life, of plant life on earth. Yep. Um, which will give uh, the people on the axiom, the axiom the indication that they can come back to Earth and start living their lives again. Um, so uh, Wally sees her and he's immediately smitten. He's like, whoa. 
but he's obviously been alone and he's never interacted with another anything i'm sure outside of maybe a wally unit and he has no clue what to do <laughs> yeah and yeah so <laughs> so like a good a good portion of like the opening parts of this movie is um wally sort of stalking eve until eve like notices him like while he's just hiding cuz he's scared he's too nervous to say anything right um, and we, we also learn that Eve, Eve is very, very determined in her goal to find, uh, possibly find some sort of vegetation, but also she's got a bit of a temper. Yes. <laughs> I think there was a, I think there was like a letterbox review that was like, like Wally is like an old man. He's a <laughs> who's creepy got old like man. A creepy old man. And then like Eve's like a temper tantrum, like woman. But it's the most adorable movie ever. She's she's like very career oriented. <laughs> so like she's very focused. Um, but then she she finally interacts with Wally and she she finds him kind of goofy, but like in a cute in like in a in a charming way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he takes her back to to his like his like home base and he shows yep. her the collection which immediately my first thought is like this is joey taking allison to the man cave <laughs> yeah like I, f- I feel like allison and i are very much wally and, and eve um <laughs> <laughs> i'm just picturing allison just like deciding to like dance in the man cave you're like hold on hold on hold on Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and then she, she just smacks you and you fly into the ceiling <laughs> i could pro- yeah yeah um, cause see, I think Eve would be, would totally be the type of like robot girlfriend to be like, um, excuse me, uh, Wally did not ask for these. He asked for mashed potatoes <laughs> and wa- cause Wally is just too shy to do that. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that whole scene is, is so great. Did you watch the, the bonus feature where, where Andrew Stanton breaks down that scene? I did not actually. I watched that like the A to Z special feature. That's a good one too, uh, but yeah, definitely check that because it it is really like when you think about it, probably the most important scene of the movie because th- that's the scene that really like okay, we can believe that this relation relationship is possible, you know, like we yes. could we we're and this is where we re- like we're already rooting for Wally, but this is where you're really rooting for the two of them to get together. Yeah, um, and it's worth point. noting too that as far as like especially the whole like opening of the movie, there's no talking. Like outside of a few moments, like Wally does not like have like a like talk normally. Eve doesn't. It's like kind of like a silent movie. It's yeah. Um, ben Burt, like they, they credit Ben Burt, um, great sound uh, sound guy um, mm-hmm. as Wally, and Elisa Knight is Eve. Um, but yeah, I think this is like, it's also great too because we don't talk. We we talked about a couple silent movies on here, and it's nice that we get to bring up something like Wally because. There are so many like silent movie influences. Like um, Andrew Stanton on the bonus feature was talking about Buster Keaton. How Buster Keaton had that great stone face, and Wally's a robot, so Wally has certain like his eyes can move a little bit, but there's not like you can't have like a full like range of like oh my god, and it's sort of like saying like Buster Keaton's sort of like a template for that because Buster Keaton is the stone face, and every situation he has the same exact like facial like res- facial response you know so it makes it even funnier sometimes or right. like you're able to translate it um obviously there's there's elements of um of chaplin in there too like i think about 
he brought this up too, like City Lights, the great Chaplin movie where Chaplin falls in love with Blind Flower Girl. Um, and a lot of parallels, <laughs> a lot of like that movie, like you'll watch that Richard at some point, you'll be like, man, this is like Wally. Just, just Wally didn't pretend to be a billion, a millionaire, you know. <laughs> now I'm just picturing Wally walking out with like by and large fun bucks or something coming out of like his compartments, like, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, at a certain point, like you know, we find we have the plant, right? Yes, and that, um, and after like a few days, like as Wally's just hanging out with Eve, Eve is just like shut down basically at this point, waiting to be picked up with yeah. the plant. So Wally's just making sure she's not getting like damaged or anything like that. Mm. I love when he's trying to hold her hand and the thing like flaps <laughs> <like>, back down. <laughs> <laughs> I love I I love the bit when like he has the umbrella over her because it's raining and he's trying to help and then just. <laughs> <laughs> it just strikes him with lightning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. Which all of this is important later because yeah. this comes back this comes back later. Um but eventually uh someone from the Axiom like we were saying is that big cruise ship uh takes Eve back up and Wally's like no. <laughs> yes. And so Wally like hitches a ride. <laughs> and uh he sees the world of the Axiom. And boy, yes. is it interesting. <laughs> it, it is an interesting world because obviously we are 700 years into the future. And, you know, when you're in space, it does funny things to your body, especially in re regards to like bone density and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so what, what we come to find is that humanity are, they're now just on a bunch of like levitating, levitating like seats and they have screens in front of their faces they're all wearing like the same like sort of jumpsuit and it's like okay like they've they've essentially been um through i i like through the fact they're living in space for that long especially but also the fact that um by and large is essentially like given them pretty much everything that they would ever need even like anything they could ever want so they never have to worry about anything. Like there's even a bit where there's an, like a billboard that pops up. That's like, try blue. And then someone just pokes a button on the chair and then their jumpsuit turns blue. Right. It's like, like they, like these people can literally just not have to look away from the screen. Like there's even that whole bit when, uh, uh, you got the two, got the two, uh, people on the ship watching tennis being played. Like they're not interacting yes. at all. They're just watching it. And what's funny, like, in that one special feature, the A to Z, they were like, who'd have thought that that was something, like, because, like, he was saying no one would ever watch people play games. And then he's like, but then my son's watching this on YouTube all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's YouTubers with whole careers based on the fact that people love to watch it. There's Twitch. Yeah. Um, or even just video, con like, what we're doing right now. Yeah. Was, was something that was in WALL-E. But also just the idea of, like, just smartphones and, and things like that in, in general. I mean, because, I, I mean, 2000, I, what was the iPhone was introduced, like, what, 2000, is that 2006? The I, iPhone? I, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly. But it was funny on that bonus feature, too, because Andrew Stanton was like, okay, the I, the, as soon as that's, like, the, I, the vid iPod video is going to get discontinued. And it got discontinued shortly after Wally came out. <laughs> And I remember having one of those, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was awesome. 
I had I remember when I had the iPod Shuffle, and I thought like it's just this little like this little stick that has all this music on it. And I'm enjoying myself. I even just thought just having my iPhone that I'm using right now I thought was pretty cool. And then the 14 came out like literally two days after I got 13. I'm like, <laughs> yep, that's technology. <laughs> there, there's not much human interaction going on basically, um, and. You know, and Wally sort of helps set that, sort of helps set that off. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is seen with the characters, I believe, John and Mary. Yeah, it's uh, John Ratzenberger and Kathy and Jimmy. Um, which, if you've never, if you don't know who Kathy and Jimmy is, she's fantastic. She is Mary from Hocus Pocus, and uh, she is Piggy Hill. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love Kathy and Jimmy, so I think she deserves all the credit. Absolutely, and it's great to have her have um uh you know her back on the show in that way. You know, yeah, and there's sort of it's sort of like a uh you know that they they develop a relationship to those two, and it's just like because like you know Wally like helps out John, and Wally is just so sincere. Wally's in the same ballpark of character as like a Paddington in a way. Yeah, because like like Paddington and they, they again and that's just in the same bonus feature like. Like, Paddington and Wally are the kind of characters, um, and I can't think of another example, that's why I'm saying those two, um, are the kind of characters that don't change, but they change things around them. Right. You know, like, like Wally is relatively the same from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, but he he's essentially, like, any interaction that he has with someone is an ultimately good, rea- uh, uh, good interaction. So, like, mm. he accidentally bumps into John, and he falls off his chair... And he accidentally turns off, uh, what's it, Mary? Didn't you say the name was Mary? Yeah. He accidentally turns off Mary's screen, and yet at the same time, they're, uh, Mary's just like seeing the stars for the first time and just being in wonder, like, oh my god. Like, or like even just the fact they're both like, we have a pool? <laughs> and I, I, yeah. love, I love the bit where like the robot lifeguard comes out and it's like, don't splash, and they just splash the robot. And then my first thought is, wouldn't they have made him waterproof? No, because by and large doesn't give a shit. So that makes sense. <laughs> so, like, it's just that little moment was great. I also, like, when they see the stars, it's one of the, the, the film's highlighting moments where, you know, you got Eve, um, even Wally flying around in space. It's such a beautiful... Um, beautiful little sequence. The music by Thomas and again, Thomas Newman, um, mm-hmm. is really is really quite lovely. And while he's flying around with this like fire extinguisher, uh, <laughs> you know, and like I love the cover um, of the Criterion release, um, which that. But I also, on that note, that's the thing. That's the big crazy. This is in the Criterion collection. Yeah, that's the other. That's the. We'll, yeah. we'll get to more of that too. But like, yeah. the the I also if I didn't get this and I wanted to get this movie on 4K, I would have loved to have picked up. The Steelbook, which is the, like a beautifully done version of that scene mm-hmm. where they're flying in space. Um, but and we also got to mention uh, the captain. We got to mention the captain of the Axiom. Uh, he's extremely pivotal character. Um, you know, he's been doing this for a while, and you know, he's there's a long line of captains and all that, and like suddenly, like this, this potential for the plant and the earth discovery of something like earth. Cause he doesn't know any of this stuff No, And, um, you know, he learned, then he learned, he gets a curiosity and learns about it. You know, he has a great like little character arc himself as well. Oh yeah. I, I love 
I it, it's I love the the sort of like it's sort of like tragic, admittedly, because like when he first learned about first learns about all this stuff, he assumes that's what Earth's like right now. Yeah, like he's he's learning about uh, farming and irrigation and like what people like to do and dancing, which leads to the great moment where Wally and Eve are basically dancing in space. Yeah, and um, you know, then eventually. And that was another one of the Wally interactions because he sees Wally after Wally, like you know, you know, puts some accidentally puts some dirt on him, and he analyzes the dirt, and that's what leads him to like learn about Earth and like how beautiful Earth can be. And uh, he that's that's where he like also learns that Earth is actually like a trash heap mm-hmm. and has been that way for a long time, and it's 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 kind of heartbreaking, admittedly, when he when he finally learns that. Yeah. Also, too, like, there's a lot of 2001 Space Odyssey connections, because there's, like, is is the, uh, the auto, the autopilot, um, mm-hmm. it's, like, a, like, yeah. the, it's, like, it's the like Hal. Hal from 2001, but what I also like, too, is that, because obviously all these people have been on their, like, chairs and all that stuff, right, this whole mm-hmm. time, and it's, like, it, they play the 2001, like, dun, dun, when he's standing up, and, you could you could argue okay that might be played a little bit for laugh but it's laughs but it's also for these people it is the most significant thing to happen to them up to this point it is like having the gorilla like pick hey, up the bone I got picked up the bone hey you like, know it's it's I haven't stood in so long finally <laughs> I know as a kid I I thought it was like funny but yeah. like watching it now I'm like I'm like wow that's like 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 it's kind of like important mo- it kind of hypes you up a little bit and people were like cheering when he's fighting against the autopilot Uh, i love it when he like spins the wheel like spins the wheel and it's like (laughs) such like kind of a badass like moment (laughs) but i also love that he just assumes you can plant pizza just because he doesn't (laughs) know we're gonna have pizza plants everywhere (laughs) (laughs) like auto look look (laughs) they like they have these things called plants they grow they grow to things called pizza <laughs> I, the, the other thing um, I do have to mention, though, too, is obviously all these people are 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 not moving around very much. They're all sitting down, and that leads to a lot of. There's one thing people have brought up with this movie is that people are like, "Is this movie fat phobic?" Yeah, because because everyone on the ship is overweight, basically. Right. You know, Andrew Stanton was like, "That was never my intention." It's like because when you think about it, if you are just sitting down for that length of time. You're like, and you and humans have evolved to just lay down and have all their needs taken care of them. Your body is going to change significantly. Yeah. Um, as a result, you know, and his intention was like, well, what if you were like a baby where basically you, you're like your, your fingers do some things and that's basically, that's basically it. And he got the idea because like, you know, he was thinking about when he was in college and he's just like, okay, I'm just, I'm pressing buttons on my TV and I'm just telling my friend to get tacos. Like, it's going to be a thumb and, like, just a mass, basically. Yeah. Right? Um, but I think it is an interesting thing to think about because people were bringing up Walmart. Especially back in, like, 2008. You know, I think, the like, the comparison point people were making was, like, this is Walmart. This is a story about, like, overconsumption. You know? And, and again, like, I feel like obesity, like, in the mid-2000s was such a big talking point at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was, I think, too. I mean, I think even, that was, like, I think even at that point, too, 
um, it was like around that time or a little bit later that you know more and more like places started to like try to like change their their vibes like fast food places try to get healthier especially when that super size because you put you just posted about the super size me documentary being the <laughs> which <you know>. yes yeah, <laughs> super size me which is an interesting one because uh there have been a lot of people who've debunked the documentary um basically i was actually listening to a podcast about it before mm-hmm. we we popped on um and there's a whole lot of things you talk about super size me but that is definitely a movie that shaped that did shape some people's opinions on some level and again talking about power of documentaries um even if they're you know the information presenting is false it can still have an impact on things but like um yeah like again that was like a couple years after that and i remember being in middle school like if there was a substitute or like we were on the a unit about obesity we were watching Super Size me and i'm sure that there are places that still watch Super Size me to this mm-hmm. very day uh you know even if it doesn't have the most accurate information and it's just again it's like it's like there was like a like a health kick and like everybody was trying to like mcdonald's was trying to make their food differently um other places were trying to make their food differently just to like make it seem healthier have like um nutrition facts on like the box or something just like people tried to be or like afterwards like tried to be more transparent about what was going into the food well it was also kind of like how you have like the Surgeon General warnings on cigarettes. Like they wanted something like that for fast food. Well, some people did anyway. Um, but yeah, I, but I think Andrew Stanton has said like it wasn't really meant to be about that. It was more just like this is probably might be the state of the human body at this point, and it actually and that, works. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was gonna say that's how I kind of read it, admittedly. Like, I wasn't, like, especially the baby thing, because, like, they all look like, like, enlarged babies. Yes. Like, even when the captain's, like, getting out of his chair and he starts walking, he's walking like a baby learns to walk. Yes, exactly. Um, and, it, like, I can understand, I, I, can de- I can see, I guess, what people would be talking about, but I, I didn't really think of it as, like, Oh, you know, this movie's shaming, you know, people for being overweight. It seemed more like like you were saying like this is just what is going to happen to your body if you're not if you're just sitting all the time and all you're doing is pressing buttons and you're focused like, you know, you're, you're just doing one thing and you're in space. Yes. Like it just seemed like like it was more like a com- it, it, more like it was helping the commentary on what the the point of the movie versus like this whole like it wasn't trying to be like you know this it was you know what I mean right yeah no ex- I agree with you hundred um, percent but I I definitely wanted to bring it up um, it's worth it yeah just I think it's worth discussing but I mean there's there's also just a lot of funny moments I love the r- revolution of the robots like the the misfit robots basically that that malfunction. <laughs> I still love the, like, really, like, zany one that just, like, freaks out and then, like, beats up yes. all the, like, security ones, but then, like, even has just, like, one more moment. <laughs> all right. Here's the other thing I got to say, too. If Allison and I are even Wally, you are Mo, uh, <laughs> yes. the little cleaning robot. And you would put something on my face. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Mo. Oh. Mo. <laughs> Wally. <laughs> oh man, what what a that's so great! But they're they're really fun. The those those guys are really funny. 
Uh, I love the umbrella that just that <laughs> doesn't work properly. Then we find out we can deflect lasers. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> like, like okay. okay. <laughs> this is on by and large's drawing board, I guess. You know, in case a laser <laughs> comes off. Like, someone's just trying to, like, sunbathe. Pew! <laughs> um, but obviously, like, you know, we're all, I know, we're. I forgot to mention this too, like, obviously, like, the plant is a big thing, right, to get them back home, but mm. the autopilot doesn't want them to get back home, and that's the moment where the, the captain stands up and tries to take charge, that, that kind of thing, but the scene where Wally, like, the scene, those later scenes in the movie where Wally is not concerned about, like, Eve, Right, because he re- he realizes that this is really important to Eve, which is a, like a typical like romantic trope where it's like, oh man, I'm gonna do some, I need to do something that's important to this person that I care about, right? Yeah. But it is so devastating when you see him try to hold up like the um the pillar, yeah, you know, for, <sighs> for the plant breaks me every damn time I see this movie, uh. and then when. Uh, <sighs> When, when she's trying to get Wally back and he take it takes him a second to like reboot and you're like is, is he gonna re- even remember Eve is this like a fright like a total oh reset my God. When, of his personality when he when he just goes back to like like basic robot form like and he's just like oh that oh that and and knowing Pixar knowing that Pixar is very like you know I don't know if at this point it's known for it but like they're known for like the endings being like you know like not not being like bad or anything. It's like they, like their endings could be like intense. Their endings could be could be like you know because there's like a traditional way to do it, but then there's like the Pixar way. Like yeah. I think about Ratatouille that way. Up, I think, is another good a good example of that. Toy Story three, I think, in many ways, is also another good example of that um, mm-hmm. as well. Where you're like you have one idea about how this should end or whatever, but then. Pixar is like, eh, let's go with this, and it, it ends up being a more emotionally satisfying um, conclusion. But this, well, listen, I'm glad Wally came back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like that, that. This is the point. It is so nice, and when he when he realizes that she's holding his hand, um, I me. also wanted I also wanted to bring this up too because obviously, Hello Dolly is Wally's favorite movie. Yes, and uh, we get put on your Sunday clothes. Um, it only takes a moment, and a lot of this uh, appearance is by Michael Crawford, uh, who you may know as the original uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Phantom of the Opera. Um, he's also on the uh, on the comedy show Some Mothers Do Have Them, which he's really funny on that show. I remember when we were watching the movie, and you said Phantom of the Opera, or like you said, look, it's the Phantom of the Opera, and I'm like, where? <laughs> we're looking at stars right now. Him? <laughs> like, oh, the singer. Oh. <laughs> Um, I, and I was thinking, there's a, I was listening, I was actually listening to some bits of the Hello Dolly, um, Hello Dolly soundtrack, uh, which actually was directed by Gene Kelly, the movie, by the way. Um, I don't think I ever knew that up until a few days ago, but, um, here's this line that I wanted to read that made, it made me think of, made me think of Wally. I've lost everything, my job, my future, everything people think is important, but I don't care because even if I have to dig ditches for the rest of my life. I shall be a dick di- ditch digger who once had a wonderful day. Wally. <laughs> Wally has a job that is so, like, when you think about, like, like he collects trash yeah. and makes it into cubes. But all he wants is to hold somebody's hand. He just wants that moment. It only takes a moment, guys. This is, this is I, why. My I... heart, when I, 
I never listened to that in its, into its full. When I heard that part, I was in tears thinking about Wally. I'm like, oh my, it making me think about Hello Dolly positively. <laughs> well, listen, I I like to think that even though this was for a completely different movie, when Lady Gaga said, "Hold my hand." <laughs> I knew you were going to reference that. <laughs> How could I not? How could I not? It's practically the anthem of our show. <laughs> it's the anthem. It should, it should be the new anthem of this movie. I know it's the anthem of Top Gun Maverick. That's a great movie. But at no point is anyone like, hold my hand, Tom. Tom! Except for maybe Jennifer Connelly. But... <laughs> This is. Do you want to hear my extremely terrible Wally remake idea? Let, let me hear it. Lady Gaga as as Eve, and then Nathan Fielder as Wally. <laughs> In my rehearsal, I thought I could try to hold her hand when she was not uh, aware, but then she slapped her hand down and broke mine. That was not in my rehearsal. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just picturing. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing Wally with a laptop. Just yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wally went through the his only other rehearsal actor was the cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> but like the cockroach changes to different bugs. <laughs> just he's practicing. Oh um, my god. But um you know what's an interesting yeah. thing to point out about this movie which we haven't talked about but this sure. this movie has real people in it. It does. It's, yes. Yeah, cuz Fred Willard, may he rest in peace, um uh plays the president of the United States and it's really him. It's not like like you know Disney didn't or Pixar didn't animate like human beings like they used a real person, and for a lot of the by and large ads, they use real people. And of course, they used clips from the actual Hello Dolly as mm -hmm. well. And so, like that—that that has always been like the most interesting aspect of the movie for me, in in the in like a technical sense, just because. But it also makes sense because you were pointing this out that this was also like in the early days of Pixar, and like while they did have the Incredibles, they were still sort of working out the kinks and animating humans and making them look good, and so. You know, there could have definitely been that that thought process and in going into like you know let's put real people for these moments as opposed to like because obviously there's human beings in the film but they're like the 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 people on the axiom 700 years later I right. like even I even remember looking at like the captain's like headshot if you will like the captain's like like portrait uh, and like seeing all the different captains and how it goes into the more recent one and uh, how interesting that looked, especially because, again, they use real people. Um, that was another thing I watched on the bonus feature disc was the all the different, by and large, commercials and, like, the, like the, all the... They made so many things. Like, they fleshed that out. Like, someone at Pixar was Even just like, let's just go crazy with the by and large stuff. Yeah, because obviously they added a lot of stuff for, the, for this Criterion release, um, a lot of really great stuff, but... Already in 2008, they had a lot of material, um, a lot of material on this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think on that though, I think it is uh, a good point to mention that this is a Disney movie in the Criterion collection. And it's important to know, yes, there are like Disney 
technically, like, through their other distribution companies. There are some movies that they do have the rights to that were in the collection that were and all that. But this is really, like, think about it like this. You could probably buy Wally merch at a Disney park. Yes. The closest thing you can say that you could buy to merch, like, merchandise at Disney to anything else is Godzilla. And that's in, like, the Japan's store in Epcot. Like it's, right. it's like this it's, is it's insane. Like I like even just I'm looking at the box right now uh, for this is spine number eleven sixty one, and it's insane to see the Disney like the Disney castle and the little Disney logo yep. on the back of this box because Disney has always been very much like like their own like they don't really collaborate with a lot of other people necessarily. As far as like especially a lot of other labels, like as far and stuff. as far as their like you know movie distribution stuff, like like it's it's kind of insane. Because I remember when I saw that Wally was going to be in the Criterion Collection. Because like people like for like kicks will Photoshop like movies that you would never expect to be in the Criterion Collection as, and it's like oh that's cool. And then I saw it was official, and I had to send it to Joey, and I was like Joey, see this message, see this message I'm sending you. Where are you right now? <laughs> and it, it's funny because both you and Wikey sent it to me, and I'm like, I only believe. I think I believed it because of Wikey sent it to me. <laughs> I see how it is because I needed the <laughs> I needed the double confirmation, like, and I'm like, holy cow, this is real, um, you know. And I think there's been a lot of controversy around this release, simply because it is an extremely mainstream title, um. You know, because people like to envision the Criterion Collection as, you know, like uh, movies that you wouldn't normally be able to have access to and things like that. But sometimes, first off, just for a practical business, like business, like purpose, I think it's nice that they were able to build relationships with people at Pixar. Yeah. What, whether you, whatever opinions you have on them, Pixar has made some of the most important and influential contemporary movies. That that's not that that's basically a fact. Uh, it's, you know, and they are, and also people who are always like, well, we need more animation in the collection. And yeah, we, there, there are other animated things we could be getting, but I think it's great that we do have another animated movie in the collection and Wally is a good movie, you know? Um, and I think as far as just a pure sales perspective, like I imagine a lot of people will buy this disc. I, I, I'm holding it. You are holding it. I have it. Uh, I have it right next to me. I'm sure there are people who are going to buy this because it does have new things that the other editions don't. And, you know, there are people who are completionists. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you could always make an argument, any movie in the collection, does this thing need to be there? Does this thing, thing need to be there? I think we're both on the mindset that it should, it's it's nice that it's there. I th this is... Um, yeah, I think it's especially exciting too because, like, you know, these days especially... You know, Disney has been so stream streamer focused. Yes, and and you know, like when it comes to physical media, I mean, Disney was on top for the longest time. Like a lot, like Disney Blu-rays were usually the best Blu-rays, and even yes. like even by today's standards, like Dis like some of those Disney Blu-rays have been just like holy smokes, this is insane what they do to mm -hmm. this, um, and. Yet it seemed like from the transition to you know newer formats, um, and you know with obviously the existence of streaming services, um, Disney has put, especially you know with the last couple of years, Disney has put a lot of 
their eggs into one basket with Disney Plus, and it seemed like they were sort of taking a lot of the focus away from a lot of the physical media side of things. And, you know, a lot, of, and, and honestly, and this is a personal opinion too, it's just um, a lot of recent Disney movies haven't really looked all that good in newer formats and the 4K formats. And like, like the Blu-rays are still fine, but at the same time, it's like, you just wish like Disney had a little bit more care like they used to, but again, they put a lot of their focus on the streaming. And, yep. um, especially in the case of Pixar, like the last Pixar movie that ever released in theaters before Lightyear was what Onward? And then Onward, but that had a cut like that had a cut off release because mm-hmm. of everything that happened with COVID. And then for the next uh bunch of the next couple of years, it was, you know, Soul, Turning Red, Luca, you know, mm-hmm. All that ended up on Disney Plus, and then you know Lightyear because it's based on an IP that people are familiar with. They're like, oh, we'll release that one in theaters, and so it's just it's just a really weird time. Admittedly, I guess is my point. And uh, yeah. so the fact that you know Andrew Stanton f- figured something out, or maybe it's because Pixar is like just going, listen, you know, we're just going to do our own thing, um, you know whatever Disney says or said doesn't say, we're just going to do our own thing. And so Pixar was probably like, Hey, Criterion, you guys are amazing when it comes to physical media discs and 4ks and movie preservation and like actually giving a shit. So what, what you want to collab? <laughs> like they're YouTubers. Yeah. You want to collab? Sure. <laughs> I, Cause I also think Andrew Stanton was, was saying like, this is somewhat of a vanity. thing. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for that. Andrew Stanton. We understand. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I also like, it's so cool to have, um, have a lot of this stuff. Like all the new bonus features are pretty fantastic. Like, um, Andrew Stanton goes to the Pixar living archive. Mm -hmm. So like he sees boxes of just concept art, um, concept art that he hasn't seen in like over a decade, like (laughs) since like 2006 or what, like, or some, some stuff like not even since the nineties. Cause Wally was one of those things that they talked about in the nineties that were like, Oh, that's never going to get made. Guess what? <laughs> it happened. Um, and also, there's a spo- there's a bonus feature where they or um, there's a conversation with uh, Ralph Ralph Eggleston, mm-hmm. um, who recently passed away. Um, he's a produ- I, I have to mention he's a production designer on both Finding Nemo and Wally, um, and his work uh, work is incredible. Um, yes, you know he had a huge impact on Pixar. Uh, may he rest in peace. And it was nice to have that interview. One of the, I would assume the last interview he ever had um, for this for this release, or at least one of them. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's always nice to have. Um, trying to think of other things that were like newer things on the disc. Obviously, this says like you know the Dol- What does this have? This has Dolby Vision, right? Did the yeah. other release have Dolby? Um, I don't know if the other one did, but I know this has, I know Disney kind of has their own like Dolby vision or whatever, something like that. Um, at least from what I've heard, at least from the, what's it films at home, I think said that in one of his reviews of a Disney, like Mm -hmm. I think Disney has their kind of own way of doing things, but this one has both Atmos and vision. Yeah. I know. Like I love having the Atmos, but it was actually cool too. Cause I was, I, when they announced the new blue, like 4k, I was watching my old Blu-ray from 2008 because I still own it, mm-hmm. um, which is now weird because it's in two spots on my shelf because I have my Criterion section and my Pixar section. But anyway, um, so while you know Wally from 2008 is still a good-looking Blu-ray for 2008, and 
the sound was amazing. Mm-hmm. The sound, I think it was like a 5.1, um, 5.1 mix, and that was, um, that was incredible. That was incredible, you know, but pff, Wally, man, <laughs> it's so weird to me. Like, this thing's got, like, it's so weird. The weirdest thing for me, because I watch a lot of Criterion Disc and a lot of Criterion bonus features, so it's like, to see Peter Becker's name in, like, the credits of, like, something to do with Wally, you know? I I was blown away when, like, I put the disc in, and then you see the Criterion logo when you play the movie, and it cut, turns into the C, and then normally I'm used to seeing like Janus Films, or like if it's like uh, like something from Universal or uh, whatever, like you know, seeing the Universal logo, but seeing like the Disney logo, like the old Disney logo, was so strange, <laughs> and like the best way, like, and I know I know a lot again, like the first thought that comes into at least in my brain was like, does this mean Disney might be more willing to like work with other boutique labels again you know it's i think like like you were saying with andrew stanton like he said like this was more like for him like he wanted to do this so i'm not gonna like put it out in the ether that it's you know a thing that's happening but if it's possible that would be exciting if other things maybe did um um like for me i would love to see like this is wild speculation at this point fyi we have no no i would love to see like arrow arrow video or somebody do like a Tron set. Mm. Um, honestly, yes, because you know, I think that would fit pretty well into their uh, wheelhouse. Um, as far as Pixar movies in the Criterion Collection, the two that pop up in my head first are Ratatouille yes. and Up. I think those ones would be really good additions, honestly, because they don't have sequels. Obviously, there's merchandise. And there's merchandise to all these movies, but they don't have sequels. And they stand on their own ex- exceedingly well. And listen, that period, and I'm going to include like that that 2000s period of Pixar. When your worst movie, I, I hate I hate to say like like that. Like your worst movie is Cars. Like that's a, that's still pretty good. That's not bad. That's not bad. Like, no. That's that's <laughs> not bad. Because think about like two like because 99 was Toy Story 2. 2001, uh, Monsters Inc. 2003, right. Finding um, Finding Nemo. Great. 2004, Incredibles. 2006, Great. Cars. It exists. It's it's um, fine. It's fine. Uh, 2007, Ratatouille. Great. 2008, Wally. 2009, Great. Up, which Great. Up gets nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Uh, interesting to note. Because also, listen, you talked about The Dark Knight. Wally was also another one of those movies where there were people who were like, why wasn't this nominated for Best Picture? On my door... I have an article from 2008, a newspaper, like a local newspaper, where it was all about why was Dark Knight and Wally snubbed. And I have never taken it off my door. And, and listen, like, you know, you don't, like, I'm not saying the awards are the most important thing in the world, but it is definitely an interesting conversation to have about, like, okay, these mainstream movies were received well, they were reviewed well, they were successful, you know, maybe could they be nominated? And at that time they only had five nominees for best picture and it also i also should note too that wally it wasn't like wally's like only nomination was like song and um uh like song because normally animated movies it's like um animated film and a song yeah. right and wally had a nomination for song for the uh, the credit song down to earth it had nomination for original screenplay which is a hallmark of a number of pixar movies mm-hmm. um great nomination 
uh, best original score. Um, I said song already and sound editing and sound mixing. So it collected a number, a couple of awards. So I feel like if you had stretched the nominees to a broader category, um, I think Wally could have had a chance at at least being nominated for best picture. I agree. Um, just looking at it, like just through that lens. Um, but also noteworthy, speaking of like um, accolades and acknowledgements, Wally was selected into the National Film Registry in 2021. I did see that actually. That like that is fantastic, honestly, and it's deserved. Wally, I think, is is just such a beautiful. I mean, both of these movies are great. Um, they're they're like some some like some some would argue like Pixar at the peak of their powers. This is one of the one of the most respected animation houses out there. I mean, when you're, you have a company <laughs> that you have the toy story movies and your work, like the, like the arguably weakest toy story movie out of like the main four is really good. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not bad. Um, but these are really incredible. They have incredible voice talent. Uh, they're just gorgeous gorgeous looking movies even like thinking about thinking about the time period that they were made the 2003 and 2008 respectively mm-hmm. got great stories memorable characters um yeah absolutely fantastic features for sure my phone keeps going off but thankfully the vibrations off so i'm like cool <laughs> i'm like stop messaging me i'm recording right now <laughs> No, I do love both of these movies. And to go back to the point a little bit about um, uh, the the wild speculation possible uh, hope as far as like Disney working with other uh, boutique labels, I had one thought, and I had one thought only. I had multiple thoughts, Billy, but this is the one thought I'm going to stick with. Um, so the Disney Movie Club, right? I'm part of it. Uh, I know you're, you've you've dabbled in it. Um, I get a lot of my Disney movies from there, admittedly. Um, and every now and then they'll release uh, older Disney movies exclusively, like a Disney Movie Club exclusive. Um, right. You know, uh, some notable ones would be like Goofy Movie, Twenty Thousand Leagues, um, uh, the the Mighty Joe Young remake, Swiss Family Robinson. Um, was it the, the kid, the computer that wore tennis shoes? What's it called? Is that what it's called? Computer War Tennis Shoes, yep. Yeah. Uh, Old Yeller. Old Yeller. Um, and it's nice that Disney does do that, admittedly, but it's not like like a Warner archive where like they put a whole hell of a lot of effort into it and like try to make it like the best disc ever. Like the discs ultimately like they're fine, but they're not like the best thing ever. Um and they don't have bonus features. No bonus the, features, um, no. On the exclude on those, um, which is sad because t- especially Twenty Thousand Leagues has some of the best bonus features. Um, I think of that of any Disney movie, especially for a movie of its age. So my thought would be to take all those movies and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, because like it would be nice it, to see like a like a like a properly restored Blu-ray version of like a Twenty Thousand Leagues. Or even, like, I remember when they released Watcher in the Woods, and it clearly looked like they just found, like, any film can that had the movie and just put it on in the computer and said, okay. Like, because there's even Mm -hmm. even bits where, like, you can see the film is clearly, like, ripped in half, and they kept it. Right. And it's, like, if that's the kind of, like, 
care they're going to put into it. That's kind of disappointing. And I'm not saying that people haven't put any work into these movies, so I, I don't want to like completely like downplay anyone's work that did put a lot of effort into them. But <sighs> I do, I do think it would be cool if they took those movies and brought them to to different labels and maybe work them up a little bit. You know, I thought I think I think that could be pretty cool. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that as well. I was thinking about also. I think um, if it's either melody melody time or make my music that has some missing scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been missing for a while, um, and they're missing because you know. Again, I, I think they have some like bits that are a little politically incorrect. Um, and it'd be nice to just really have more complete versions. What I else I would really like is Disney used to put out the Disney Treasures box sets, the tins. Mm-hmm. And I would love a Blu-ray version of their wartime stuff. Mm. I want uh, Der Fuhrer's face um, in HD. You know, the um, that cartoon. And uh, was it um, Education for Death? You ever see Education for Death, Richard? No. You, somebody might be able to bring some. It might feel like the grimmest thing Disney has ever made. It's... It's it's pretty like I feel just like like it ugh. like it's like it just completely like harshes your vibe. <laughs> it harshes your vibe. It's like because you think of Disney things, you're like, oh, Mickey Mouse, Goofy, like Donald, so heartwarming, and it's, like, and it's just like, no, we're it's cold basic, as hell. It's it's basically about the life of like um somebody in Nazi Germany and what happens to them. Ultimately, I think spoiler alert. It I think the last shot is a tombstone. <sighs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but this got into a darker place than uh, i anticipated but what we're trying to say is it'd be nice if um because i think it also makes sense for disney too because they'll make money off of licensing licensing these properties out. yeah they don't have to do anything with the um manufacturing of this stuff so it keeps costs down and they build relationships with other companies. I think that, especially especially for things that they are probably never going to put, like, DeFuro's face in Education for Death will never be on Disney+. Plus. No. Um, never. Or any of the stuff they talk, I think they talk about, like, polio, and, like, they have vaccine, like, they have vaccine, cart, like, like quote-unquote propaganda cartoons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite DVD sets, honestly. It's just so incredible. Um... Disney's been around, like, you know, they're celebrating 100 years. And, you know, in a 100-year time span of being a movie studio, there's going to be at least a dozen or so, if not more, probably significantly more movies that maybe <laughs> that maybe don't do as well, but, like, get a cult following later. And, you know, you want to... And, you know, a lot of these studios, like, you know, some of them have their own in-house people. Like, you know, Warner has Warner Archive, and they do great stuff. But they also work a lot like there's warner movies in the criterion collection there's warner movies with uh uh shout and a few of these other places yep. and you know so they still do that and and it it makes uh, it makes for a better product a happier yep. nerd <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> these two um yes and plus you know it's nice to like preserve some of this history um, properly and not just be like, okay, here's a new format. Here you go. So yeah. that, yeah. my, I think my, my ultimate wish list, even for the ones that I don't know anything about or don't particularly care for, like just, just put them, put them with like, uh, one of the other boutique labels and like have them 
give it a proper like newer release blu-ray 4k i don't care i just think it'd be cool yep yeah i mean you know it's in this in this time of like physical media obviously you want to have things on like the most optimal disc yeah but i also think i also take like um zero at midnight always says is like be like support it be happy it's on (laughs) they're putting it on disc (laughs) because like if you're not gonna buy it on that disc they're not gonna care no you know so your your dollar does send a message um and i'm glad that wally is uh a pixar film in the criterion collection and it looks great it sounds great it's a genuinely great uh transfer um and on that note uh i would i would like to see this i i would hope this is the first of maybe other pixar movies who knows but yes um uh, in regards to the movies in question, I am glad that uh, we did this episode, and uh, I do genuinely love both of them. And I, I'm glad that we gave ourselves the excuse of celebrating this 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 Criterion release as well. Yes, um, yes, this is nice. Even if we started off annoyed, <laughs> I'm glad it resolved itself, and we are here at this point. That this is great. It, it's it's all fine in the end, um, folks. Uh, folks. That's gonna, you know, we're gonna. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's okay. What is what? What's your favorite? What's your favorite Disney Pixar movie? Um, you know, what's your favorite Disney Pixar series? Uh, which one of us is more annoying? <laughs> and if your answer is me, you're probably right. Or me, um, you're probably even more right. <laughs> I disagree with. I'm getting really annoyed with that. Ugh. <laughs> uh. So annoying. What, what do you what what Disney thing? Here's the good question. What Disney thing? It doesn't have to be a movie because Gravity Falls, the whole series, it's going out of print soon. But the whole series is available through Shout Factory. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's on right. Blu-ray. So so if there's a Disney thing that you want, but like you know TV show or whatever, what do you want available on disc in a nice like package? Let us know. We're definitely very curious about that going to wrap it up for this week's episode of two dudes one double feature check us out next time have a good night everyone and happy holidays Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
prepare to say ta-da. Or should I say ta-da? 